0: Hi, my name is Ryan McDonough, and you are listening to The Solar Panel, a Phoenix Sun Show. I'm Tim Tompkins. I'm
1: Greg Esposito. And I'm Dave King. How y'all doing?
0: Today on the show, we are going to have some playoff talk and talk about how early exits by some major teams might actually impact the suns this offseason suns combo guard options in free agency or through the trade heading into the offseason A QA with fans and ballers including a lot of free agency salary cap trades etc cetera, etc cetera. and of course we will hit the rumor mill uh so guys i you know i what what do you think about the the two exits um both from the raptors as well as from the bucks
1: uh-huh. better chances for something for the sons to get one of their better guys on their team next year. That's what I thought.
2: Yeah. I, I assume the same kind of thing, Dave, but uh, I don't know who, who are we talking? Are we talking Fred Van Vliet? Because that's going to require them to spend money. I, I take him off the list. I just don't see them spending the kind of money that it would take to get uh, Van Vliet, which I want them to, but I don't, I don't see it happening. And then, you know, i get it everybody and we'll talk about this more later uh, i know we will but uh everybody's talking how do you get Giannis here and i just I, i'm i'm not gonna fall Wait into this minute. hype
1: are you already gonna crap all over a big segment of our show
2: no I, on, we Greg. will talk about it and i will explain my feeling but i'm just <laughs> guess what Espo's pessimistic. Who would have guessed? No, <laughs>
1: that's,
2: that's how I feel right now when it comes to this. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I'm in the minority. I felt bad for Eric Bledsoe when uh, when the Bucks lost because he's India. gonna he's gonna take a a large amount of the blame in this, and he's likely. I mean, we've already seen rumors. He's he's one of the odd men out in. In Milwaukee, likely they're looking to deal him. So uh, I felt bad for a guy that that I liked in Phoenix. I know most didn't like him here, but uh, that was Wait, that was one of my thoughts that as
1: well. Eric Bledsoe might be one of the most gettable. Guys that the Suns could add next oh, year. God,
2: I didn't say I want him back in Phoenix. Uh, <laughs> no. We know he doesn't want to be here. I'm just simply saying I felt for him because he's going to have to uproot. But what would happen
1: right if now? he does the opposite tweet? He literally takes a picture of himself at a salon in Phoenix and tweets, <laughs> "I do want to be here," with a big smile. And a check in his hand,
2: and then and then he says, "I just met the salon, not actually the
1: team."
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's it's Bledsoe's
1: dues. <laughs> so uh, I do want to be here.
0: <laughs> what, I want to talk about the Raptors just a little bit, um, you know, and I obviously the Sun show, and we'll talk plenty about about the Suns. But uh, what you know, Pascal Siakam getting getting a lot of heat right now. Uh, you guys watch game seven, obviously, uh, he, he played like trash. Uh, he, he certainly wasn't good. He was not the player he was all season, uh, you know, apart from having offensive trouble getting baskets, there were just a ton of turnovers and those sorts of things. And he's been getting a lot of flack, uh, online, um, by Raptors fans. Do so you guys think that's warranted?
1: Well, oh, I think yeah. it's warranted. I mean, of course, anytime one of your best players underperforms in the playoffs, it's warranted. Does that mean he's a lifetime underperformer in the playoffs? Absolutely not. The dude is still only, what, 22, 23, somewhere around there. He's pretty young. He uh, has never been the guy before they need in scoring. Um, him and Fred, Fred Van VanVleet basically each gone up a rung or two on their, on their teams um, need to score, need you to score list because Kyle Lowry kind of got old this year. Kyle had some really good games, but he also had some dud games and uh, he's getting a little long in the tooth. And of course they long, they uh, lost Kawhi. So uh, when all of a sudden your one and two scorers are Fred Van Bleet and Pascal Siakam, they suddenly got a lot more attention in a seven game series. You can take away some of the things they're good at. Fred cannot get to the cup, and so he's got to juke and and get his jumpers other ways. And uh, Pascal Siakam can only generally get to the cup. And he was getting stopped there, too, because he didn't have enough counter moves. So uh, that doesn't mean they won't get better for next year. They're both relatively young. Um, Fred is what, 25, 26 and Pascal is younger than that. So they've got, um, they've got, they've got a chance to get better for next year. Do they need another big time player to make the finals? Probably. I mean, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty unlikely for a team without any real MVP level talent to win the finals in today's NBA. Um, but heck they went seven games in round two, almost got to the conference finals. That's better than any pre-Kawhi Lowry teams. So they're they're still doing well. I think they're fine. And uh, Pascal does deserve the criticism he's getting right now, just the same way he'll get. He deserves the praise that he'll get in the future.
0: What what did you think of that last play with Fred Van Bleet obviously dribbling the ball out, not passing it? Uh, Do you think specifically, though, that the way that that series ended is going to be beneficial for a team like the Suns. uh, you know, did essentially did he hurt (laughs) his value a little bit with the way that it all ended.
2: I I don't think, I don't think Fred hurt his value necessarily, but I think what this entire, uh, postseason did when it comes to the Raptors is put them in that situation where they realize they're kind of that couch cushion team, right? They're in between they're, they're, they're in that crevice that their older guys probably aren't, uh, aren't good enough to help them stay at the top of the league. uh, And their younger guys uh, aren't quite where they need them to be to carry them. So my guess is Toronto goes into some sort of rebuild. And and maybe not to the point where they tear it down to the studs, but I think you're not going to see uh, you know the Sergio of Bocas of the world back on this roster, and it, they may decide you know what we want to build around Pascal and. Maybe Fred Van Vliet isn't the guy that we want in the long term. I don't think it hurt his value around the league, though. I mean, one shot like that in a series that he played his ass off
0: and I don't think changes that value
2: that much around the league.
0: Uh, everybody that's watching right now on – on the youtube and by the way if you're watching on youtube uh this is absolutely available as a podcast so uh wherever you listen to podcasts go ahead and subscribe there but in the background dave has a poster that i've never seen before uh you know i've got ricky rubio mikhail bridges dem booker all the all the Suns well most of the suns players nine of them where
1: yep where did you get that from uh craig hamill he is a huge suns fan on twitter and i've met he also comes out he's uh, oh God! I hope I'm not getting this wrong, Craig. It's Scotland. I'm pretty sure you're from. And he comes out every year to uh, see a handful of Suns games, and and we see each other at the games. He's a huge fan, and he actually designed last year's Brightside Night T-shirts uh, that we gave away to all the all the folks that came to the game as well. Um, and so Craig Hamill is an awesome artist, and he designed this. And I ordered the canvas uh, version that you can get that on T-shirts, on hats, on socks. Uh, whatever you want. That is a really cool thing. Have you seen his jersey, his History of
2: Sons jerseys, uh, it, image that he just came out with uh, not too long ago? It's really cool if you haven't. Uh, yeah. I highly highly recommend talented. checking it out. I want to get that one on a on a coffee mug because it's all the jerseys and it kind of goes around the mug. It's pretty sharp. So uh, Craig, Craig, one of my favorite uh, artists out there and a, a pretty damn funny uh, Twitter followers, follow as well.
1: Yeah, and so, he's a good follower too.
0: Yeah, well, that's um, true. Giannis yeah. just met with Bucks ownership, talking about the future of the franchise. Montecumbo. If you, if you have, if you have been online anywhere, uh, especially you know the <laughs> Suns Reddit, yeah. Suns Twitter, all you do is see photoshopped video or pictures of Giannis in a Suns jersey. Uh, uh, seemingly unlikely, but you know, let's talk about it.
2: Hey, you can Photoshop anybody into a Suns jersey. I mean, that's that's the beauty of uh, the internet, right? The problem here is, uh, for me, it's going to be cost prohibitive unless you get a guarantee that Giannis is going to stay. This isn't the Kawhi Leonard situation where Toronto had a an older team that had the ability to... Flip that switch with one great player and and win a championship. This is a Suns team that hasn't been to the playoffs in 10 years. They've got a, a majority of their roster has never experienced the playoffs. So one year of Giannis, I don't think takes you to the top of the mountain, especially in a tough West. So are you willing to gamble what it would take, you know, especially if I've seen some people say, "Well, you give him Kelly Oubre, you give him DeAndre Ayton, maybe Cam Johnson and the tenth pick," and I'm like, "Yeah, that all sounds great, and I'm sure the Bucks would love that package for Giannis." Yeah. But if you're getting absolutely no guarantee that he's beyond here beyond the 2021 season, you're insane to give that up because you're basically, oh. if Giannis walks putting Devin Booker back in the situation where he was uh, a few years ago, where he has no supporting cast. And then that likely at this stage makes Devin Booker go, I'm done with this because I don't, I don't want to take a step back. So unless you're getting some guarantee, I don't even consider including Deandre Ayton in this. If you can get the bucks to go for Kelly Oubre, uh, another piece like a Cam Johnson and 10, sure, pull the trigger. Because Kelly's likely going to walk away. You don't need another uh, another young guy with the 10th pick. And and whatever other filler you throw in, you live with because you're getting one of the best guys on the planet. And you say, if this is a one-year thing, at least we proved we're willing to go after a guy. But without, without a guarantee, I'm not going any more uh, than that to try to get Giannis and Phoenix.
1: So Giannis can accept a uh, an ex, um, a new contract an extension right now. Um, a um, uh, max he can with the team that he's with. i I have not looked at the CBA rules lately, so I don't know if a team he's traded to gets the same rights to re-sign him as the uh, as the team he started with. There's some weird rules on super maxes, but he might be that might only be first uh, first super max versus second. I don't 100% know, but he is eligible to agree to a max, extent, max extension this offseason with the Bucks. If he could agree with, to that and he did a verbal agreement to that, um, I would go ahead. Obviously, I would trade Aiden. I would trade Mikel. I would trade anybody to pair him with Booker and see what happens over six years. But you're right, Espo. I would not give up DA and Mikel or anything like that. Uh, for a probable one-year rental because he's only gotten to, um, you know, he hasn't gotten all the way to the finals. Now, if this was a one-year of Kawhi, hell, every team in the league should be fighting for one year of Kawhi. I mean, this, Kawhi is on track to potentially be finals MVP for his third team and win a championship with his third team. And the dude is not even 30 years old, I don't think yet. Um, so it's, it's pretty crazy uh, that, yes, I would give up whatever to get Kawhi for a year for sure. But, um, getting Giannis for a year, not so much.
0: I I do wonder why would, if Giannis can go somewhere, right. If he really wants to force his way out of Milwaukee, why, why the hell would he pick the Suns? Uh, Nothing against Suns. Great team. But why wouldn't he just choose a different franchise to go to? Like what, what about the Suns would you say? That's where I want to be
2: he'd pick the, he'd basically be picking the Milwaukee, of the West. And I don't mean that I've lived in both cities. I've, I've seen both teams up close and personal. I don't mean that as an insult. It's just the simple reality that Milwaukee and Phoenix are, are mid market teams when it comes to the NBA. And in the end, they they have not been able to get over the hump. Uh, I, I mean, I know Milwaukee did with uh, with Kareem Abdul Jabbar back in the seventies, but since then, they've they've very much been like the Suns. They've got to conference finals. They you just they can't get over. Uh, that hump. And and look, let me be very clear. If it were a guaranteed championship next year with Giannis, I'd give up anything that wasn't nailed down to the floor. Right. Uh, even if it was a one year rental and you got the, the Kawhi situation. Yes, I'd give up anything for that but but without that guarantee I just and, and to Tim's point I just don't see Giannis Atsu who could pick any anywhere in the league he could basically pick any destination he wants and likely find a way to force himself there I don't see Phoenix being that and I I, I love book everybody knows that I think he's a, wow. a a superstar in the making but I don't know that that's enough to have one of the best players on the
1: planet force his way to Phoenix Well, definitely the Suns are not uh and LA Lakers. And not even, I mean, the Knicks used to think they were kind of an LA Lakers and they're not. Boston can't even get the very best free agents in in the years that they wanted to get the very best free agents. There was a couple. Dallas couldn't even get the very best um people to to want to play for them uh when they were trying for the big hits. So, to say that uh players wouldn't pick Phoenix is fine. Uh there's very few franchises that players force themselves to, and uh, very few of them are outside Southern California. So it's okay. Uh, he might he might force himself to Miami. I would, if I was him. Miami's another great place for a young guy to go. That you know every year is going to be competitive, and they're going to play over their heads. I might even force myself to Toronto if I was uh, Giannis because of the the magic that they're playing with, and and the fact that they go further than they're supposed to. Um, I I would do something like one of those two um, and also uh, one of the LA teams. But you don't always get to pick who you're traded to. And uh, and, and I know we know that AD chose the Lakers and he got traded there, but that's almost never really the way it goes. Um, So I really do think that if the Suns picked up Giannis, it would probably be a one-year rental and you cross your fingers like... Toronto picking getting Kawhi for a one year rental. It turned out to be the one year rental they asked for, and they got it, and it was worth it for them. um But Giannis isn't quite the same because he hasn't proven it already all the way to through the finals. Um, <clears throat> so, but let's just say, let's just say the Bucks are like, you know what? We're going to send Giannis to Phoenix, and and there's a pretty good chance that Giannis after a year. He's he's happy about it. Let's just say there's a pretty good chance he would sign a max extension in a year, but he's not going to physically sign it this summer. So you've got kind of a verbal, yeah, this sounds good. And you've got a, a trade partner in the box. What is the most you would give up in that exact scenario right now, guys?
2: Oh, for me, it goes back to if I feel it's a pretty solid verbal, I would go... D.A., I would go Kelly Oubre, probably Cam Johnson, and that 10th pick. And I think that is more than enough for the Bucs to to look at it and go, this is extreme value that we're going to get with a potential superstar, a guy in Kelly Oubre that is an extremely quality player, a young guy in Cam Johnson that has immense upside, and the 10th pick, everybody loves a lottery pick, you know, especially in these deals. And I may even consider going, you can have our 2021 first or 2022 first, whatever it may be, project a few years in the future, throw a couple extra firsts. You take that kind of a, a chance because we've sat here for a decade and gone, well, we shouldn't go all in for this guy. And if if you think you have a legitimate shot to keep him, you go all in, you mortgage the future for Giannis and Booker because that should be a duo that gets you back into the playoffs for the next decade that should put you in playoff contention and should be able to get additional free agents to come to fill out that roster. So I go, I go all in on that. And let's be honest, the Milwaukee bucks freaking owe the Phoenix suns fans after, uh, after that coin toss, because everybody thinks that's what started whatever this curse is that, uh, that Phoenix has, uh, you owe us, Milwaukee. So suck it up and take whatever we're going to offer and, and enjoy it. Is is what I have to say to Bucks ownership and the front office.
0: Omar in the YouTube chat says Ubre and Rubio for the tenth pick, or and the tenth pick. Excuse me for uh-huh. uh, Giannis. I don't quite think that's enough. Um, I would say they take DA, it. Sure. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, it, it, da plus future first and, and future pick swaps.
2: Yeah, I forgot the yeah. pick swap option as well. That's always You a, a know, handy that's only idea. if you, you know get a really didn't.
0: strong verbal. Yeah, but you know who didn't forget those uh pick swaps? Uh the Houston Rockets and uh OKC. You guys taking yeah. a look at that that trade for for <laughs> oh, Russell man. Westbrook recently? I just I saw it again this morning Russell. and like it's through 2026 it's first rounds plus pick swaps through 2026. Yeah,
1: Houston's uh, in deep even oh. though they made they made it past they barely made it past Chris Paul and the Thunder. And now uh, I mean you look at uh, Russ and James and they're 31 each. 31 years old each. They're they're in deep.
0: Brutal. I'd rather be the Suns right now than the Rockets, honestly. Has the Polish
2: come off a GM faster than Daryl Morey, right? Wasn't he supposed to be a genius about three and a half years ago? All it took
1: is one tweet for him to oh, well, the polish to come off and well is-
2: even even without that tweet uh, he's proven to be uh more si- mad scientist than mad genius he's just experimenting and he obviously uh keeps uh, taking step back steps backwards somehow and then mike d'antoni look steve nash is is more uh, Steve Nash should basically be getting part of Mike D'Antoni's salary. Let's just say it that way for all these stops. And I think he's about to be on his next one. I think he winds up in Indiana as, as the head coach there. Uh, well, uh, after the Rockets decided it's time to part ways. I think Maury and D'Antoni are out. And and D- or Tim, I think you're right. I think I'd rather have the Suns' future than what Houston's staring at because oh, yeah. they're staring at the
1: abyss right think? now. I mean, I'd, like, 100% want the Suns' future over Houston's future. It's not even a thing.
2: Well, heck, and then OKC, I mean, even is sitting prettier than, than Houston, and uh, I oh, mean...
1: OKC is sitting. They're sitting just fine. Yeah, I mean... I mean and well, probably actually, you know get... what? Let's talk about OKC for a second. Yes, they're sitting just fine, for sure, but they're going to have to go all in on something uh, one way or another. They're going to have to either retrade those picks to stay relevant, or they're going to have to start over. And we know firsthand that starting over and a lot of teams know starting over means you're going to have to wait out those picks to be able to actually get back to the top. So, OKC, I mean, while they're doing just fine going forward, they're probably not a playoff team next year. If they move off of Chris Paul, um, assuming he even plays well next year because he's what 30, 30,000 years old now. Um, 30, 30, 30, 35. How many first
0: round picks did they get though for, for no time. But the thing is you have to actually
1: execute those first round picks or trade them. That's all I'm saying. So if you go into next season, look, as good as Shea Gilgis Alexander was this year, he was kind of like a Pascal Siakam was a year or two ago, which is, it's really easy, not really easy, but it's easier to be, a surprisingly good player who's not counted on to be that surprisingly good player in the crunch. So while he made some big shots, uh, Shea, um, he, he didn't have the pressure to have made them or he's disappointing every fan, everyone in the fan base. So if Shea becomes your top player next year and Lou Dort becomes one of your better players and all of a sudden everyone moves up a rung or two on On the pecking order, it's going to be a much tougher team for OKC next year. Uh, So I'm just saying uh, they they're either going to have to go all in by retrading those picks to get quality veterans in so they can stay playoff ready. Or they're going to have to start over and take two or three years and then cross their fingers that someone works out as good as as much as I like Shea Gills Alexander. He does not look like a cornerstone that's going to take you to a conference finals at this point. He would have to make massive strides.
2: No, he looks like a a nice piece that you would have on, on a roster. The second,
1: third, fourth starter, like Chris, look, uh, this is not a shame on him. Chris Middleton level, you know, Chris Middleton is a multi-time all-star, but cannot carry a team. He carried, he carried the bucks for one half of that playoff series. Right. Um, But he had, he had a tough time because he didn't have every trick in the book. Like I, I, Speaking of the book, uh, I think Devin Booker has a much more versatile offensive game for the playoffs than a lot of the guys that um, made it into the playoffs uh, this year. So um, he might be a Chris Middleton type shape. So we'll we'll just see.
2: You're talking OKC though. There was that rumor from uh, from Scoop out there that uh, that the Suns are one of six teams that are interested in Chris Paul this offseason and I just I don't I, I don't understand that at all. Like well look
1: in the in the microcosm in a in a um you know in the fishbowl right of the bubble Chris Paul might have helped the Suns. Um let's assume they actually made the playoffs because they couldn't have done any better in the bubble <laughs> than they did. No, they but let's assume they fair. got into the playoffs and had Chris Paul, this Chris Paul, this version right now. Uh, leading them. He probably would be marginally better than Ricky Rubio because he's just that a little bit better than Ricky Rubio. That's no shame on Ricky Rubio. Um, So having him there, and if you could imagine in your head a little swap of Ricky for Chris, um, great. But I'm not convinced Chris Paul is going to be this good ever again. He's 37. Uh, last I, time I looked,
2: I think uh, he's not going to be that good ever again. I think you're rearranging tech uh, chairs on the Titanic. I, well, I, don't I think, think it makes it
1: upgraded to a padded chaise Lounge over I, a, over a wooden.
2: I I don't know. I I think if you look at it, I, I think Ricky's younger, so you feel a little bit better about having him having him signed another few years over over Chris Paul, the money's less and the, the talent gap I don't think is that huge from what we saw Ricky be able to help the Suns team do. Uh, Chris, what Chris Paul's Paul would ability to it.
1: make a big shot and get a, get he's uh, it, look, it's okay to say Chris Paul's a little bit better in his, oh, in his extreme good.
2: I agree. I'm just saying what you would, when you look at what it would take in terms of money and potentially assets to get Chris Paul, I think, Taking that uh, slightly lesser Ricky Rubio and finding other ways to to spend that money or pursue other uh, other trades makes a hell of a lot more sense than, than yeah. trying to go get Chris Paul.
0: Uh, so speaking of, I think that's a great segue for our main segment today. Dave had written this really great article on Bright Side of the Sun, which really talked about some of the Sun's different a combo guard options as they move into uh, free agency. One thing I did want to point out, and I thought it was interesting. We don't spend a ton of time talking about Dave, but the title of your article being that the Suns need a combo guard much more than a power forward. Yeah. And you know, I've really I've thought a lot about this. Um, and if you believe anything that we saw from from campaign and from Javon Carter, uh, I'm not sure that I completely agree with the title. Uh, so love to hear your thoughts.
1: It's, a, it's Hey, look, it's okay to disagree. We can't all be smart. People that makes the smart ones among yeah. us look better.
2: And Dave, you're not a smart. One, so. <laughs> I'm not. I'm
1: not. I'm never. <laughs> well, I'd love um, to no, talk look, about this conceptually. I here's actually the thing: that's I am conceptually okay. So uh, conceptually, my argument is that with Da and a backup uh, big or two, like an Aaron Baines, Dario Sharish, things, things, guys like that, um, you have one big and then four uh, mix-and-match shooters out there. I really like like a better – I think that's a better version of what Houston's doing. Houston went just a little too small, and then they got out-rebounded like crazy by the Lakers when everyone was like, oh, what if the Rockets make the conference finals and knock the Lakers out? Small ball's here to stay. Well, it's just proven that small ball can't just be small ball. You're too small. So I would say one big and four shooters out there or four scorers out there um, is a great way to go. And so I don't think you need a traditional big burly or even big power forward out there. I think Mikkel and Kelly and Cam can all take turns at the power forward. You get somebody else that ilk, that size, uh, making it a four-man rotation to uh, absorb injury and things like that. Great. I would add to that before I would add a six nine six ten guy, um, to the, like, people have said, oh, Serge Ibaka next to DA. No, actually, Serge, Serge Ibaka, instead of, like, the minutes DA is resting, that kind of thing, as the one big, that's what you're going to be doing in the future, um, I think. And that, so that's my my argument is assuming DA's playing the five, and assuming DA's playing the five, you don't need a uh, a big guy next to him anymore. That's my argument.
0: Sure. So, uh, get that. Totally, but tell, us,
1: tell me your... Totally you're, your so disagreement with that.
0: W- w- when you think about improving a team, right? Um, and if we were going to, for simplicity's stake, uh, break this down into 2K scores or whatever, right? And I, this really reminds me a lot of, of what Philly did. So Philly went in and they spent a, a ton of money on Al Horford, right? But Philly already had uh, all-star level Joel Embiid. So adding an Al Horford, no matter how good Al Horford is, really only raises how good your team is um, minimally. Right. And and so if you are really looking to improve your team, you go to the, the biggest position of weakness. And now with the players that the Suns have, I just don't feel like that's a position of weakness. So if you're going to go all okay. in with whatever cap that they have, sure, it would make your team better, but it would make your team better marginally, uh, whereas that money could be better spent on. A, a solid backup for, well, or even a starting power forward, whatever the case. And I do realize that there's a lot of statistical data out there that shows that the sun starting lineup um, playing small ball was actually very successful, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I, but I guess part of this also comes from really believing in what we saw from uh, Javon Carter and, and campaign uh, in the limited play that we saw in the bubble.
1: Yeah, no, definitely. Okay. So here's, and, and Espo, sorry, but let me one more little point and then I'll, we'll let you go. Um, here's the thing. I, you had you made a couple of cases and on that last bit there, Tim. The first case being you don't think really the scoring combo guard is a big uh, role of need, and the second thing you said is um, it'd be nicer to get a power forward starting or backup power forward. Let me—I already addressed what I think of the second thing. I don't think that's a position of need, but the first thing we don't really need a scoring combo guard. Look, um, I don't know about you guys, but I would love it if campaign made 50% of his threes next year and made two or three of them a game and, and led the second unit to wins. Um, absolutely. Then you don't need another guy, but the Suns already have campaign taken care of. They've got it. He's he's on a uh, non-guaranteed deal, but it's still a deal. The Suns can, can keep him as long as they want to men league minimum. Joan Carter, keeping league minimum. The thing is those guys don't create their own shots. They catch and shoot, but they don't create their own shots. Can't Neither Cam nor Javon can jump over a piece of paper when they're driving and trying to take a shot. They just certainly, they, they'll slip on the paper even when they're trying to jump. They just can't do it. They can't get extension um, in the lane. And so they're really limited offensively. I'm talking about a dude who can create his own shot next to Booker um or excuse me, next to Rubio when Booker's resting. And then next to uh, Booker, he can create shots for others as well as create his own shots. So you've always got points of attack. And I made the, um, the correlation in the article back to a kind of version, although this would be a better version, but a kind of version of the Jeff Hornacek sons where you had two attacking uh, combo guards at a time on the floor. Um, and it only really failed when they tried to go with three. So I think um, having somebody who can who can fill in behind Rubio as a part-time playmaker and behind Booker as a part-time scorer, get your own shot score, not just catch-and-shoot score, I think that's a huge then, – then you're never really having a drop-off between Rubio and Booker and this third guy. That's my argument.
2: So uh, let me – try to understand because what i struggle with is i can see where somebody can make the argument that you need a starting level power forward right we we loved what we saw from cam johnson but is it sustainable for a full season who knows a great eight game stretch won't knock that Uh, but i don't understand uh, i don't see where anybody could make the argument that you need a combo guard in that starting lineup how how would it work are you thinking you'd slide obviously Ubre is likely the odd man out if you're making a trade to acquire somebody like this so are you are you going ricky rubio hypothetical combo guard devin booker uh, Ka- uh bridges deandre deandre ayton is that what your what your lineup yeah. kind of looks like because that's where that's where in, in this i'm i'm slightly confused i I don't know if you're talking a bench combo scoring guard. T- 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 yeah, the, a bench you know. combo
1: scoring guard that would be the the guy who comes in first off. Uh, look, we all loved what uh, um, campaign brought to the team. Well, what did he bring to the team? He brought timely shooting, and he brought some uh, a little bit of playmaking, and he brought some defense. Um, I just don't count on that for 82 games just, just because it worked for eight because his career – is not a good shooter and not a great passer.
2: Yeah. I think for me looking at it, I just, I go, okay, I can have, uh, if, if I can upgrade and get a true starting caliber guy, that can play that four, and then it gives me a, a deeper bench with cam coming off, uh, the bench and alleviating that. And where we don't have to rely on a guy who health is still a question mark when it comes to cam Johnson, uh, I, I, that makes sense to me uh, trying to pursue that. And I get if we're just talking backup combo guard, totally on board uh, with you, Dave. So I understand both sides of where you guys are coming from here. Uh, part of me still is intrigued by the thought of Victor Depot. As a Phoenix Sun, if you're going to go big, that's your perfect guy.
1: He fits the mold I'm talking about. But but Mm. that
2: he's not a guy that's going to come off the bench.
1: He's not going to. At at that point, at that point, you have to move traded to the Suns. You come off the bench. Uh, You (laughs) have you have to move book
2: to to three and
1: DeAndre. No, uh, no, you you can't talk about this in terms of just five man lineups, man. You can't. I get it, but you're gonna you have to look at it
2: because starting matters to guys, right? Isaiah Thomas, prime example. Dude burnt down the t- the Suns because he didn't. He wasn't a starter. All right, he he destroyed a locker room because he wasn't a starter. Like I'm not Victor Oladipo is not coming to Phoenix so he can be the sixth man off the bench. No, no starting caliber combo scoring guard is uh, is going to come and accept that so you're going to have to look at that lineup and go is ricky rubio the odd man at does he move to the bench or does devin booker slide down to small forward and you plug this guy in at shooting guard like that's what you're looking at and that's a reality i wasn't talking about let's
1: talk about that i know you guys you guys are on that page. I'm just on a different page, and it's it's totally okay for you guys to be wrong. It's fine. Um, I think definitely that <laughs> that um, the the sons if they're if they're shooting for like I would love a Bogdan Bogdanovich. He, he'll oh, be. Hold on. On oh, do do mo- you want
0: hold on, Dave? Do you want to talk about trade targets first, or do you want to talk about free agent targets?
1: Uh, you guys pick. I don't care. I was going into free agency first. Uh, first. Sure. Let's do let's yeah, do free agency. Much. So Bogdan
0: so okay. Bogdanovich,
1: Kings. Well, actually, let me set the stage a bit before I do, because I, I did that in the article and I should do it here. The Suns have two options with free agency. Their first option is to create all the money they can to make free agent offers. I'm not talking about sign and trade right now. No trades at all. How much? How could you spend your money this offseason? The Suns could create. A bunch of space, but they'd have to renounce all but eight players. Now, granted, the eight players are six, six of those eight players are their top guys. Um, So that's great. But you lose all your depth and all your pending free agents like Aaron Baines. You got to let, for sure, let him go. Uh, Dario Sharj, you got to for sure let him go. You're definitely letting go Elia Kobo, cough, cough. Um, You're definitely letting go some of these other guys um, who were basically the back half of the bench. Okay. Um, And then you can create up to even, let's assume the salary cap stays flat this off season at 109 million. Suns so could create almost 20 in space. 20 for the first year salary, meaning you could on a four year offer, you could average, the salary could average like 22, 23. So given that number, if you wanted to go big like that for one big free agent, then uh, what you can do is you can get 18 to 20 million available. You could potentially make an offer for Fred Van VanVleet. You could make an offer for Bogdan Bogdanovich, or um, even if you want to spend like big money on short, short term, you could even make a big offer to Goran to bring him back for his third round with the Suns. What do you think of those three?
0: Uh, With Goran, I, I, so I read your article. I thought it was great. Thanks. I guess the the big question I had is why wouldn't he just re-sign a shorter deal with the Heat?
1: Oh, of course he would. I'm just saying, would you, would, the sons could make the room to make the offer. And what if Goran really, really does in his deep, deepest hearts. Want to pick Phoenix, even though he's been, um, you know, bitching about them for years. It's kind of like your first love, right? You complain about how that broke up, but if she ever wanted you back, maybe you'd be like, really? She wants you back. So it's, it's quite possible. What if, would you do that? Uh, picking one of those guys, but giving up all the other. Now, this is also assuming keeping Kelly because Kelly's still on the, on the team because Kelly would only be a trade option. So we're not talking trades. We're just talking free agency.
2: Did did Dave just ask uh, one of his uh, former wives to come back? Was that what we just (laughs) witnessed on the solar panel?
1: No, (laughs) but my, my girlfriend right now, we did go on a break during the coronavirus um, uh, early stages and uh now we're back so i was definitely excited when she when she told me she wanted to come back
2: we were on a break anyways mm-hmm. uh anyway, yep. so we don't <laughs> talk about what happened on the break hey but it, that's that's the way it should be and and i <laughs> think that with uh, the
1: pandemic nothing freaking uh, happened on uh, the break but anyway listen
2: <laughs> I, I think that's a perfect transition for gorn let's just call it a break my friend and come back let's just call it the a Phoenix. break look right. uh, gorn gorn Loved the thought of being the the next Steve Nash in Phoenix, right? And I think something about Phoenix probably still is appealing to him, even though he's had two stints here that ended in, in bizarre ways, especially the first where he gets traded for Aaron Brooks, and they had to include a first-round pick with him. One of the worst trades in Suns history. But I think I think Gorn
1: Gorn is. Hey, you know Sorry, sorry. Because, you know a stat I saw just the other day. Um, uh, what's his name? Jesus Christ! Fuck. Uh, Aaron blank? Brooks. Aaron Brooks. Oh, Aaron Brooks. Uh, mind blank for a second. He led the league in three pointers the year before the Suns traded for him. But anyway, go back to the awful trade. Go ahead. Because everybody wants to talk Aaron Brooks on a Sunday morning. <laughs> uh.
2: Anyways, I I think. Gorn is the kind of guy that makes a lot of sense, has already accepted being that sixth man in Miami. If he is very, uh, still uh, has love for, for the Suns in his heart, uh, I think that makes sense because you can commit short-term to it. You can give that bench. Uh, that stable score. You have a guy that if Ricky Rubio gets injured, he can slide in there and run your offense for you. Uh, I think there's a lot of intriguing things about that. Now, granted, uh, my view is skewed. I have never lied to you guys on this show. I'm biased as hell, and I love Gorn. Haven't gotten to know the guy. One of the nicest of human beings I ever. ever. Yeah, yeah, one of the nicest human beings I ever got to spend time around. Well, in, yep. while in the NBA, so so that clouds my judgment right there. I'm not going to lie, but I think you look at it, and he makes a lot of sense because he's going to accept the role. He's going to come in. He's going to be able to do what what you want. Now, now Bogdan Bogdanovic is, is very. Interesting as well, because he's young, he's likely got a lot more uh, potential that he can reach. And he already started to show in uh, in Sacramento what he can do now. Is he going to be cost prohibitive? Maybe. I don't know. Is he one of those guys that feels like I need to be a starter because that's that's the way, uh, you know, I'm going to prove myself in this league there's a very good chance. So there's, there's question marks from that standpoint. What I don't like about the scenario though, is you have to, you have to gut the back half of the roster to just get enough money to have the conversations with these guys. I mean, yeah. Fred, Van, Fred they, they Van also, also marginally
0: improves different. your roster. Right. So, I mean, when you're, when you're gutting that for, uh, you know, a marginal improvement, you know, really what's the point. I think out of all those guys uh, that you mentioned, Dave, it's it's Jordan Clarkson that I probably like the most uh, partially because of it. We're talking about a guy that has to be willing to come off the bench uh, with what he gives to a team. So his entire career, he's basically come off the bench. He averages 15 points a game. He's a bit more of a scoring threat than, than a combo guard. And I think as long as you're going to go after, Uh, This position that that's the kind of guy I would rather have somebody that can fill in as that offensive threat, specifically when Devin Booker's off the court.
1: Actually, uh, I, I totally hear you and Jordan Clarkson would be good. And the other nice sign about a Jordan Clarkson is that he most likely doesn't get a huge contract offer in this off season. He might fit into a mid-level exception, but let's go. Um, uh, my favorite of those three uh, would be actually Bogdan. He's big enough to spot time as a third guy um, like, a, you know, him and Devin Booker can, can be on the wing. So he's big enough to actually play on that. He's also uh, big and talented enough to actually, if you're a fan of point book, you could see him in a year or two actually starting with Devin Booker in a in a backcourt. Devin Booker has gotten stronger and uh, might be more have a little bit more ability to be point book going forward. I, I love the idea as long as Devin Booker doesn't get hurt. My argument always against Devin Booker playing point book was the wear and tear on him, and he just wasn't strong enough as a 20, 21-year-old. If he's getting there and he can become like a James Harden type where he can just play the whole game regardless, um, absolutely you make him point book. And if you're a fan of that, you go for a Bogdan because he's big enough where he can slide into small forward as necessary in lineups. Uh, he could start. He could be a playmaker part time, and he's, I think, a bigger scoring threat than Jordan Clarkson. Um, that would be ideal if you're going to blow a bunch of money on one guy. It would be Bogdan for me. So,
2: so you feel he's worth the cost? Because uh, what are you what are you thinking? Is is the cost that it's going to take to get Bogdan? I'm guessing we're talking high teens in terms of. Uh, in well, terms so of he's millions? a
1: restricted free agent. However, I don't. Uh, um, you know what? I didn't do enough research for this pod. There's some limit that the Kings cannot go over because of the way he was signed. I
0: think There's it was something 12, about that,
1: right? Yeah, like but I'm time. not sure if that. You know what? That might have been only a, an extension limit, and now they don't have one in free agency. I think actually, I think that's probably true. They could match whatever. So if they want to keep Bogdan, great. However, he was not—he's not been happy in Sacramento, and they might be okay letting him go. Uh, because he didn't want to back up Buddy Heald. And Buddy Heald has become a nightmare there, but they gave him more money, and they're stuck with him, and no one's going to trade for Buddy Heald. So, and you've got Darren Fox starting a point guard. There's no future for Bogdan starting in the King on the Kings. So it's possible. Um, it's possible that um, the Kings will let Bogdan go for a big enough offer, which I think would have to be in the $16, 18000000 a year to start. Um, so you're, you'd have to be willing to make him one of your big money guys, like instead of signing Kelly Oubre, you have re-signing Kelly Oubre, you have that uh, second, third big money on a Bogdan type. Um, So I I would, I would do that.
2: I I think, I think you're definitely rolling the dice, but you're going to have to, I mean, that's the way this team is going to get better is, is taking some chances. Uh, And sure you could get, you could get marginally better by nibbling at the edges and adding Jordan Clarkson's of the world and, and little things. But if you're going to take a giant next step, you're going to have to take a chance and, and maybe Bogdan's that type of guy. I'm fine with it because I already got a Bogdan son's Jersey. So I'm good to go on that front. <laughs> but uh, you know, like I, he's intriguing. Uh, I know you've,
1: you've He'd been be in one love of with the him few for a while. Picks. We could always pull out the rookie um, draft night picture of him and a son's hat. <laughs> Because they made so many freaking trades, a lot of the Suns' best draft picks don't have a Suns hat on. (laughs) DA and Bogdan to be about the only two, (laughs) it feels like.
0: Yeah. Um yeah, okay, it's, let's, said, let's it's this do... a hard one though, right? Because because you know, to your yeah. point, there's an opportunity cost in and free agency as, as well yeah. as there's an opportunity cost in trade candidates. So for trade candidates, and I guess we should preface this by saying that the, the major assets that the sun have the Suns have right now is number 10 picking Kelly Oubre. Yes, we do see some some YouTube chat saying why is is do people want to get rid of Kelly Oubre? I'm not saying that we do, just that's do. a definite asset. Okay, Fair no, enough. I
1: don't. I want to keep Kelly, but if you can make your team better at a different position, you do that.
0: That's that's what all of this is, is all of these are, does this make your team better? And the Suns, by no stretch of the imagination, are in a point where we should be saying uh, no to making the team better, right? Like, that's, a, that's not where they are in their trajectory. Well, uh, and they, every
1: conversation had... has to be around the Suns being playoff eligible, playoff pushing for next year, not building for the future.
0: Yep. Um, and so to, to an extent, right? Uh and so Dave, you know, because there's there's short term and a long term term cost. Uh you had trade candidates, Dennis Schroeder, Evan Fournier, Patty Mills, and Luke Kennard. Why did yeah. you pick them?
1: Yeah, again, only talking about the combo guard potential. Okay. So it, obviously, if you want to go for a different position, great, do that. But um, I this The theme of this week's article and this week's podcast today is what if you were looking for that combo guard who could do a little bit of time behind Ricky and a little bit of time behind Book and be effective in either role, okay? That's why I suggested those guys. Dennis Schroeder would be just ideal because he can create his own shot anytime he wants to, and he can pass, and he can defend. Um, the only thing is the thunder might want to keep might want to keep him, well, especially if they, they trade Chris Paul.
2: Would they though? Because with shake, Gilders Alexander, if they're going to go into a, a mini rebuild, he may be a guy where, okay, you deal Chris Paul. And then you look and you go, we really don't need these, these two guys because we're not trying to win right now. I could see Schroeder being the uh, another guy that, they, that they move off of, especially if you make the right offer, if they're, if they're accumulating draft picks, and maybe you look at that at trading that like tenth pick and and something to help the salaries match, and that's probably a big something. but you know uh, to to try to get a shooter because we know Presty loves the wheel and deal. We know Presty uh, basically gets aroused by any th- thought of a lottery pick. So I uh, <laughs> you know he's intrigued just when you pick up the phone and you go, "What do you think about number ten, big boy?" And you know, Presty's like, I'm interested. All right. I'm in, well, how do we make right this here, work? Bro. You know? Yeah. You know, so, so, you know, he's like, all right, I, I baby, I'm intrigued. And I think, I think Schroeder is that kind of guy that you go, okay, has, has enough experience where you feel like, you know, what you're getting uh, and, and has that, has that ability. I'm intrigued by that. If you can, if you can actually get a uh, Sam Presky and OKC to dance, you know?
1: Hey, I want to respond to G.W. King Shaw. Uh, Trading Ubre is building for the future? Question mark. No, see that's not. The, uh, you don't trade Ubre just to trade Ubre. You trade him to get significantly better at another spot. Otherwise, you keep Ubre. I love Kelly Ubre. I want to keep Kelly Ubre, but it's not building for the future just to trade him. It depends on what you get back. If you get back a piece, that see the thing is with Kelly, you've got Mikel and Cam. Who play basically the same role. And so uh, you're looking only if you want to improve a different role on the team. That's it. You don't trade Kelly for another guy who's going to be exactly like Kelly. You just keep Kelly. Um, but you definitely, um, if you need to balance out other parts of the roster, then you do it then. Look, That's the only reason to trade him.
2: Let me on the Kelly Oubre topic. Let me say this louder for the people in the back to hear. The problem with Kelly Oubre is he's a free agent after this year, and the level of money you're going to have to commit to him probably means you're moving on from a Cam Johnson or Mikael Bridges uh, long term because you're going to be all in on him being one of your big three for the foreseeable future, and that's what's prohibitive to me. I just don't see them committing. 1820, 22 million a year to Kelly Oubre. Uh, in, in what when they're gonna have to commit if they believe in DeAndre Ayton, big money to him at some point. And you look at it, I don't think a core of, of Devin Booker, Kelly Oubre, DeAndre Ayton is winning you a title. And if that's not what you're chasing, then what the hell are we all wasting our time? With with this franchise, if you're not going after after a title, Kelly Kelly's one year left and the money you're going to have to pay him is what makes him uh, a trade option, not not what he does or doesn't offer the team or his ability on the court. It's the reality of the situation long.
1: I wrote about this a little bit in one of our um, Suns rank articles on brightsideofthesun.com. We're ranking all the Suns players um, as far as most um, most important to the team right now. Not two years from now and not two years ago, but right now. Um, And one of the things I touched on in one of the articles this week was that this is a pretty easy offseason for this Suns team. You could run it back pretty much, and nobody. Only the only guys really on the free agent market are Aaron Baines and Darius Arch, pretty much. Um, However, next summer, oh my God! Next summer, not only do you have Kelly becoming a free agent, but you also have what if? What if everyone's love for Cam Payne and Javon Carter and all that? They're probably going to be free agents next summer as well. I expect Javon. Is going to find himself not getting offers in free agency because he'll be uh, a lot of guys are not going to get offers in free agency this year. But anyway, you got suddenly you're talking about Da and McKell's extensions too next summer. So not only are you talking about a big summer for the team, um, you're talking about extensions for those guys. And the last time the Suns were pending big extensions for rookie uh, contract players was the summer of twenty fourteen, which was just abominably scary um so i i would rather just take care of like not having kelly become a free agent next summer if that's going to be a big worry
2: yeah look look in a vacuum you keep kelly Oubre. like there's there's no doubt but when you look at it and the real the reality of trying to build this roster long term that's why trade talk comes up. It's not that Kelly Oubre isn't a good player. It's not that Kelly Oubre doesn't bring energy to this team. Uh, and it's not that he didn't change the culture of this team when he arrived. It's just the reality of having to try to figure out how this puzzle works uh, over the next handful of years.
0: Sure. So let me ask you guys a question. Let's go down the players. Um, and I want to get a yes or no from both of you, uh, starting with Greg. Does trading Kelly Oubre for Dennis Schroeder make the Suns better? Yes. Dave? Yes. Does Kelly Oubre for Evan Fournier make the Suns better?
2: No, because inevitably mm. I'm accidentally going to search Fournier on uh, Google and <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't make it better. It makes it worse. Don't
1: Google Fournier. Please just don't. Flaming <laughs> <Ballers>. Please don't. <laughs> Actually, that what you Google might turn out to be our logo for flaming Ballers, but really <laughs> no. Um, don't Google Fournier. Um, and then so does Fournier make the Suns better um this coming season? No. But he might make the better the Suns better the year after because um Kelly could be gone from free agency. So that's that's the that's, that's the a, difference.
0: That's a fair point. All right. So uh Kelly Oubre for Patty Mills.
1: No. Oh god, no. No, no, no. Patty Mills was my um, uh, Patty Mills was my idea for signing another veteran to be the professional off the bench who, who's helped set the culture tone. If you let an Aaron Baines go, you've always got to have a two or three guys, um, in that rotation playing actual rotation minutes who can, Oh, buck dog, you shouldn't have done that. I <laughs> Google Fournier, please. Um, uh, you, if Fournier in the rotation, uh, sorry, uh, duh, 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 Patty the Mills. rotation, Patty Mills, you want a guy like that to be your professional off the bench, not um, your big money free agent signing. No, uh, or your big money trade candidate. No, he's a free agent this summer, Um, so that would be great if the Suns could add him to replace an Aaron Baines type.
0: Okay, Um, Kelly Oubre for Luke Kennard. It depends. Again, I would say in
1: twenty two. Yes, I'm sorry, Greg. Go ahead.
2: I was just to say simply, it depends on health. If Luke Kennard's healthy, uh, I, uh, you know, I think there's, I think there's a push probably, and and to Dave's point, if Ubre walks, I'd much rather have Luke Kennard in hand than the no Kelly Ubre, you know. So let's,
1: yeah, let's talk about the specifics with Luke Kennard. The reason the Suns were looking at him at the trade deadline is because he is a year away from restrictive free agency, which is the summer of 21. Um, so the Pistons, in trying to uh, save themselves from a big restrictive free agency push and and him wanting big money, were willing to look to deal him. Um, and the Suns were only going to give up, because he's on a rookie deal, the Suns were only going to give up guys like kobo and Ty Jerome in that trade, not Kelly Oubre. So um, if, if your question is, would I rather have Kelly Oubre or... Luke Kennard, I'd rather have Kelly Ubre, but I'd yes. ideally rather have both. Yeah, I, I agree
0: there, Dave. Uh, Greg, why don't you give a shout out to the Flaming Ballers and explain exactly what it is. We do have a Facebook group. Uh, Greg will explain. And while he's doing so, I'm going to put that in the chat for uh, anybody that signs up to be a Flaming Baller. Well,
2: Based on the chat right now, I'm not sure the Flaming Ballers are the most intelligent podcast and and YouTube followers ever. We (laughs) told you not to Google Fournier. There was a reason. And you all did it anyways. Whatever
1: you do, don't Google it.
2: It's like the kid that you tell, don't touch the stove, and both hands go on two seconds later. But uh, anyways... I apologize gentlemen uh, we, we do love our Flaming Ballers And what it is is basically it's a way to support the show You can go in uh, on on Facebook Or excuse me on YouTube You can click the join button uh, and, and you can pay to be uh, a member Of the Flaming Ballers Or if you're listening on Anchor as a podcast uh, You can click the link in the notes To the show you can join uh, You get exclusive content from time to time There will be another Espo show that I'm going to put up uh, A clip from another Espo show That I'm going to throw up there for you to enjoy uh, and then there's you can have discussions with with us you get q a's that you get nowhere else uh, where we'll answer only flaming ballers questions here on the show uh, we call it the flaming ballers sack We'll reach in there and answer your questions. Uh, So once you sign up, you get access to the Facebook group. You also get access if you join on YouTube to the specific uh, community chats there. Highly recommend it. Would really appreciate you joining. And also if you're a flaming baller, we got the shirts now. We put the link in the Facebook group and on YouTube. You can get your own Flaming Baller shirt and uh, and really confuse people as to why you're wearing a shirt that says that with a giant basketball on fire. So All that's right. another great reason to be, be part of this show and support it.
0: Uh, So the rumor mill, uh, we're going to talk about, uh, you know, a couple of rumors that are floating around right now. One thing I always think of when it comes to rumors that are flying around is who is floating these, Uh, you know, is it put out by an agent that wants to draw more interest in whoever his player is. So the first one, this one, um, the Hawks and the Suns are considered
1: likely to make draft day trades.
2: Oh hell yeah. That makes sense.
1: <laughs> I don't Go think I don't think James Jones has a, a lot of a love for exactly that number 10 pick. Last year he traded down from six to eleven. Um he traded back into the later in the first round for Ty Jerome. He's gonna pick players he really wants, and then he's gonna get them wherever he is comfortable getting them. Um obviously he's okay with overdrafting guys. Um and so I I definitely think he's willing james jones is willing to move around in this draft for the guy they want and they're likely the Suns are likely going to want a guy none of us are really thinking about for one reason or another so uh whether that is traded or not is completely like he got two rotation players out of draft day trades last year plus those draft picks so i see that happening on the regular
2: especially in a year where drafting is going to be odder than ever i mean not traditional scouting won't be the traditional combine draft is now likely sometime in November based on the way the league's moving around the schedule. So, uh, yeah, I, I could see a lot of teams being willing to to move out of their pick even in the lottery, but the Suns in particular, James Jones, to Dave's point, not really a fan of, uh, uh, of high picks. He said as much uh, in terms of wanting to, uh, wanting to potentially move off this pick. It would not shock me uh, if the Suns uh, trade trade this pick as part of a big deal or as part of a we'll move back and, and get a guy we like. Uh, I think all sorts of possibilities are on the table for the Suns.
1: Hey, Herbie asked the question, is there news regarding updated schedules and offseason dates? There is. Um, well, the, the bottom line is no one knows yet. However, the NBA draft has definitely been moved back at least a month. So it was going to be October 15. Now it's going to be at least November 15. Um, but every every week that goes by, we have more and more information on when the next season starts. It's all going to work backwards from the next season's starting date. And the NBA has, has uh, come out in the past couple of days saying that they'd rather wait until they can get some fans in the stands before they start games up again. They don't want to do bubbles. They want to be in home markets with some fans in the stands. And I tell you, I talked about this last week on the pod. If that's 40% gate receipts are 40% of their revenue. Um and so you're not going to just go to the bubble if you don't have to. So they had Robert's to finish Harbour's this broke,
0: Is what you're saying.
1: Well, every owner is relatively <laughs> broke. I mean, you you can't pay players 100 $110 million dollars if you're only bringing in 70. Um, so it's just you can, but you'll take a big loss. So they'd rather just wait and they're going to do whatever they can to wait the longest possible to still get in also their 82 game schedule because they also make money based on the games right. played. So they want to be home markets and they want to be partial stands. So I want to use this opportunity to ask you guys. Um, did you guys see the Thursday night football game? And that the uh, the Chiefs actually brought seventeen thousand fans into that stadium uh, with a third, you know th- one third capacity. Did you guys see that?
2: Nope. Yeah, it's we- it's weird as hell. I'm sorry. I thought it was weirder than having no fans because it looked like the team was having an open practice and they forgot to tell their fans. So like it it was it was just
1: bizarre is all yeah but at least you can hear fans uh my big worry is is are they going to start something because uh, they were supposed to all be wearing masks throughout and i think most of them every time they flip to the crowd they pretty much were um it's better having real fan noise than piped in fan noise for sure and i watched some of those college football games yesterday and actually that was weirder with absolutely no fans in the stands so Man, um, the NFL has a better chance to have a a successful season than college teams do because uh, college teams also have their entire campus of of, you know, students to worry about as well. Um, Anyway, so the NBA is going to wait, but I do think they're going to figure out how to get at least a third capacity, if not half capacity next season. And then everyone's going to be forced to wear masks during the game, which is, you know, we're all getting used to now. It's not that big of a deal. I actually went to a movie last week uh, to see Tenant in a theater. And it was like I was there were three people in the whole theater. That's <laughs> because so, I went on a Thursday afternoon, so I wouldn't have to worry about it. But they had roped off or blocked off every other pair of chairs so and yep. nobody's sitting directly in front or behind so actually i do think that that is the path to the next stage of reopening is 25 to 30 to 40% capacity with forced spacing so So
2: look, this is real simple. The NBA has always wanted to experiment with starting their season on Christmas. They're going to do it this year. That's, what's going to happen here. They're going to do it. They're going to get in their 82. They're going to have limited, uh, they're going to change the schedule. So there's limited travel. Uh, You know, I, I, I wouldn't be shocked if, if you play uh, heavier in your com or in your uh, division. So you're traveling much closer or if they shift uh, division. So they, they, Get it as most geographically uh, tight knit as they can to limit travel. And we'll see that. I think that's what's going to happen. But uh, so to, that, that answers that question. Who
1: don't Google Dave King's sex tape. Uh, you you, you <laughs> should uh, definitely Google uh, it. <laughs> yeah, no,
0: I'm, I'm 100% going to Google it. So thank you everybody uh, so much for joining us, uh, especially to all the flaming ballers out there and everybody that supports the show uh, through the podcast version, especially. We really uh, love and appreciate you guys as well. So uh, for Greg, Dave, and myself, thank you so much. And we'll see you again next Saturday live here on the Sun Solar Panel podcast.